You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. It's May, which means we're celebrating Buy a Horse Book Day. This week, we're talking to a horse dad about how he got suckered into the sport and survived to write a book about it. Also, there's a lot of dark days when rehabbing a horse from an injury. We'll share some tips on how to stay sane. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 110 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hi. What's going on? Not much. You know, re- another horse show, another day. <laughs> So where Tell in the world that. are you this time, Jess? We're at Tryon this week, so it's exciting. Oh, nice. So we're back where the kids love this horse show and everything else. So um, no, it should be good. We're doing eventing and jumping this week, so we're we're multitasking at our best. But um, excited to be here at least. You guys are getting pretty good at that, the multitasking part. I, I mean, it takes a whole village. Thank goodness for all of it. our girls <laughs> and guys. <laughs> Jeez. I have a hard enough time managing seven in my backyard. I can't imagine having to travel with them. <laughs> yeah. And different ones every time it rotates. And then uh. don't ask my girls because, like, they probably don't even know which ones are going in two weeks. So they're like, every day, they're like, whatever, just tell us who gets on the bus this day. I'm like, okay, thank goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, it sounds like you need a drink, Jess. And Absolutely. I've got the perfect one for you this okay, week. Okay, let me hear it. <laughs> so... Since we're a little tardy, but I thought we would still um, honor the Kentucky Derby because it's May and it just happened and another chestnut won, so it's worth celebrating. Um, We're getting a little creative this time and not drinking a mint julep, but the Kentucky Derby released this super fun like cocktail book. And one of these cocktails are in it's in their book for this year. It's called an Oaks Lily and they recommend using Finlandia vodka. So you're going to use one part vodka, one part sweet and sour mix, a quarter part triple sec, and three parts cranberry juice. Oh, yum. I know. Doesn't this sound nice? Like, I'm not really a sweet and sour cranberry person, but I don't know. I'm willing to try this one. That's Uh, right up my alley. All about the cranberry. (laughs) (laughs) This is right up. This is definitely. And it doesn't seem like it's that hard to make. How do you make it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Basically, you just put all the stuff in a wine glass with some ice and you stir. And if you want to get fancy, so um, Ellie, you don't have to do this. Ellie but. won't do this part. <laughs> She's nailed the first part. Nailed it. But you could garnish with some blackberries and a lemon wedge and a straw. But yeah, not needed. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the straw, come on. This just makes it slower. Who needs a straw? Yeah, you, you can't drink it that fast then. <laughs> Well, this episode is brought to you by Purina, and the news this week is brought to you by the Hillsdown Spark, the only daily equestrian newsletter. It's free. Subscribe by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. All right, Jess, what do you got for news for us? Well, I just have to give a huge shout out because it's been an amazing back-to-back week of five stars for the venting. And we were there. Tammy Smith won um, the Kentucky Five Star. It was amazing. She she was unbelievable on the flat. And then 
okay, she's always good on the flat, everything else, but the way she rode cross country and then put in a flawless show jump around, like she, it's been her time coming. And like, it was such a celebration. Like I had literally friends that don't event texting me, like go team USA. Like it had been 15 years since a U.S rider had won Land Rover or Rolex or anything at Kentucky. And she came in and she brought it and to have that amazing tribute, like it was hands down so great. I think she won, deserved it obviously, but like that horse is amazing. And so that partnership, it's been a long time coming for that partnership. That horse is great. Like they've had a lot of ups and downs and then where it counted, she brought it all together with that horse. And it was, it was amazing. So my news is that the women like are on the podium right now with the five stars, because then if you didn't love that enough with the U S then Ross Cantor goes and puts in an unbelievable round at badminton. And I don't know if you guys watch it, but that horse is so cool. She's tiny. She barely like, you know, half alts it. It's so rideable for her. She killed it on the cross country when so many people were having so much trouble and it was like not their day. She was amazing. And then put in a flawless show jump around. She had a couple seconds time, but it was clean and it was beautiful. So like, I got to give it to the two girls because it was their weeks in the five star. And they came in at like clutch time to like represent their countries on their home turf and bring it home. Absolutely. It was super inspiring to watch Tammy. Of course I was like, I just can't imagine being in Rolex Stadium the moment she came over the last fence. I mean, it just looked electric. It was so um, cool. I mean, we were so, everybody was elated. Like, it was amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. And I watched badminton as well. And, man, that that cross-country was nuts. That was, It was like, gnarly. It was wild. <laughs> it was crazy to watch. And she just, I mean, Ross just made it look like like it was nothing. It was cool. Yeah. And I mean, she, that horse looked like it could have run for a whole nother minute or two. And so yep. it was, it was impressive. Absolutely. That was very cool. Yep. Ellie, what do you have for us? So I have an interesting sciencey one for us today. Oh, okay. So I was on Inquist Magazine. Someone had written in like a question for the vet who is Dr. Joy Tomlinson. Basically, this lady's horse got diagnosed with liver disease, which is super rare in horses. Um, and I guess that the horse had had like frequent and sudden like hoof abscesses repeatedly, which I guess can oh. be, which she thought maybe could be an early sign of liver failure. And she just kind of wanted to know more about it. And so the vet explained like, I mean, liver disease in horses is pretty underappreciated, partially because... Like there is a very short list of causes for it um, and ways to treat it. So like in mature horses, right, the, the common ways you see it are, you know, toxic plants, bacterial infections and like fatty liver. But there's also a lot that are idiopathic, meaning they have no idea what caused it. So it's interesting to kind of read a little bit about why this seems to show up with abscesses or if it's even related, um, because it's not quite as common in horses like it is in, for example, like cats. They're, they're less prone to things like fatty liver and things like that. So the the vet said, like, while liver failure might be associated with the increased hoof abscesses, it isn't a common explanation for the type of infections that would cause uh, liver failure. 
it could be a symptom, uh, but also like, again, you know, being a vet is not an exact science. Science is not an exact science all the time. And unfortunately, we still don't know a whole bunch about liver disease in horses. But they say the best thing to do are to start by just investigating the unexplained changes in like behavior and overall health. So it would be like weight loss, poor appetite, yellowing around like gums and things, sunburn on like white markings, or even unusual behavior like playing in a walk water bucket more than usual, yawning a lot, unsteady gait, dullness, and pressing the head into the wall or walking in circles compulsively. Which I mean, I have a lot of weird horses. So a lot of these things I'm like, oh man, um, <laughs> are just kind of uh, just symptoms of unfortunately they're just regular behavior. Um, but it's definitely a good thing to keep an eye on, uh, especially since it is something that's so under-researched uh, in terms of horses. Um, they do say, you know, it, liver failure is often causing immunocompromised situations. So, you know, you'd want to be more careful with horses, like with PPID or Cushing's and things like that, where it's more common. But just to check on, you know, like with many things with horses, right? We're just looking for changes in regular regular life and regular behavior to make these kind of judgments. Man, that's a tough one. That makes me just yeah. nervous as already the helicopter parent of my horses, you know? Right. Ugh. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's definitely something. It's like one of those things where it's like everything could be a symptom. <laughs> uh, I'm like, all my horses play in their water buckets. <laughs> right. But like the thing is, it's just like, you know, if it's a change or if right. it's normal for that horse. Right. Like lots of horses are stall walkers. That doesn't mean they have liver disease. That might just mean they want to go outside. You know, so it, you know. You got to, everything is different depending on the horse. <laughs> right. With the context. Context is exactly. appropriate, you know? Ugh. Yeah. What have you have, Justine? Uh, I've got some sad news. Um, so, especially being here in Florida, but I'm sure y'all have heard about the passing of Hannah Surfass, um, oh, a yeah. young teenage rider who died tragically at Foxley Farm in Venice, Florida, um, last month, I mean, her death has really just rocked the entire equestrian community. You're seeing people from all over the world reaching out. Um, and it's, it's uplifting to see that in the community when something so tragic and awful and just, just a total freak accident that, uh, ended her life. It's really terrible, but people gathered this week in, um, Ocala to celebrate her life at the World Equestrian Center. And I was even at a local horse show here in the Tampa Bay area over the weekend. And there were dozens of girls wearing azure blue armbands in honor of Aww. Hannah at the horse show. So you're just seeing just this outpouring of support for her family and her barn family and anyone that knew her and just knowing that your heart goes out to them because gosh, you wouldn't wish that on anybody. And, no. um, it's just an awful loss for everyone in the horse world. So I thought it was poignant for us to mention this and remember Hannah and just be thankful for every day we have with our horses. Cause she was a young girl who truly was very passionate about the sport because you just never know. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll start seeing photos and more information that came out of her memorial in Ocala. I'm sure it was beautiful. 
So we want to give a shout out to everyone who supports our show on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Every little bit helps keeps this show on the air. And our Patreon subscribers get access to a bunch of exclusive videos, audios, uh, like short mini episodes, extra conversations that we have with our guests on the show that all lives on our Patreon page. If you'd like to become a subscriber, we'd love to have you. You can find that by going to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Heels Down. All right, guys. So May 10th is Buy a Horse Book Day. Gosh, I feel like last year, I can't even be like, I can't believe a year has already passed because I remember us talking and celebrating Buy a Horse Book Day. It, it felt like it wasn't that long ago and it's already been a year. And it was it was so much fun. This was a um, campaign we put on with our friends at Trafalgar Square Books, who publish a variety of horse books from authors and trainers and coaches all over the world, including Doug Payne. Um, yes. <laughs> and we're really excited to do it again this year. So on May 10th, by using the buy a horse book day hashtag, you can help celebrate your favorite equestrian authors and share your favorite horsey themed reads with us on social media and you could take advantage of some really great deals at horseandriderbooks.com but it's been a new year i'm curious what y'all have read lately like what are some of your favorite books you've read lately oh boy that's tough right now obviously everything is audiobook because it's while i'm doing other things mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i hear you yeah so what i've really liked and I think I saw this on your list too, Justine, actually, but it was a collection of short stories called Horse Girls. Yes. Oh, I really? Love, yeah. So the subtitle is Recovering, Aspiring, and Devoted Riders Redefined the Iconic Bond. And it's just like, it's a great collection of stories just written by people who kind of grew up as horse people and kind of were labeled that, you know, that crazy horse kid and just kind of like where their equestrian life interval, like, went to involve their other, you know, real life. <laughs> so I really liked that a lot. And then obviously from Trafalgar Square, I just read The Horse is My Teacher by Van Hargis. And I shouldn't say I just read, I designed their interior for it. So I read it while oh. I was designing it. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a cool one too, to hear, you know, just like the story of how these great horsemen got to be where they are. What about you guys? Well, I think I've talked about this and it's still on my list. I've been running crazy and I just need to like bite the bullet and make it show up to my house basically. And then I will probably read it. Well, I will read it, but I really want to read Peter Fredrickson's six feet above jumping to the top. He's that Swedish show jumper and he's done Olympics, everything else. Apparently it's a beautiful book and it is an amazing read I've heard. So that is oh. like, I'm going to go to what's on my list because I'll report back because I am, I just need to like bite the bullet, but I like get so wrapped up and then we start talking about things. And so I need to order it and then I'll report back. Cause I've had friends say that it is like one of the most incredible books to read. And so that is actually on my list of books to read. Awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. So I've got a couple. Horse Girls was one of them. I really enjoyed it. I picked that up around Christmas time last year and wrote it. read it pretty quickly. But yeah, it, it's a beautiful book, like of all women of different backgrounds and just how horses have 
the intersection of horses and their life, even after like years that they're done riding and just how you never really leave like that spirit of being a horse girl never leaves you. I thought they did a really powerful way of like spreading that message. So it's, it's worth picking up. It's like a great beach read or take on like a vacation with you. I also have horse by Geraldine Brooks on my list. This is a beautiful book. It's a historical novel looking at the culture of horse racing during the era of American slavery. So it's not a very traditional horse book in the way we would talk about it, but it's just a, it's a very powerful book, beautifully written, very timely. And just the way the, the world is right now, I feel like it's an important book to really understand culturally, like where we are, where we've come from. And it's gotten a lot of praise just generally from the book world. So I, I'd really recommend it. Um, yeah, it was really good. I just read that one too. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was good. And then um, for a more training style, probably the book I've turned to the most lately is Pole Work for Dressage Horses. We wrote a review on this on HeelsDownMag.com and it first appeared in the Spark newsletter. Since I now live at a dressage barn, that's where my horses are. This is something that is more uh, more important to me than it's ever been probably in my riding career, but I have found a ton of exercises that are easy for me to set up and take down in the dressage arena really quickly, but are still like, they make a really big impact on my ride. And there's a million exercises in that book. It's really fun. And I think it will improve anybody's rideability, no matter what discipline you ride. And it just sort of freshens up your flat work routine. So I really can't recommend it enough. It would be a good gift too for friends who ride trainers. I just, I just think it's really well done. So that's a great one to check out for yourself too. Level up your horse's performance this season with choices from Purina Animal Nutrition. From Purina Ultium Competition Formula to Purina's Impact Pro Performance and everything in between, Purina has the right option for your horse, including supplements like Purina Super Sport Amino Acid Supplement, Purina Amplify High Fat Supplement, Purina Outlast Gastric Support Supplement. There are many choices for the optimal nutrition when you choose Purina. All backed by science. Level up your performance this season. Put Purina's research to the test. Ask for Purina at your local feed retailer today. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce our guest on this week's episode. Chad Oldfather is the author of a book, A Man Walks Into a Barn, Navigating Fatherhood in the Flawed and Fascinating World of Horses. Hi, Chad. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. We're so thrilled to have you. So I actually, I have a copy of your book here and I've read it uh, and we're thrilled to be a partner of Trafalgar Square Books and happy to have an author who is part of their wonderful group of equestrian uh, horse authors. And um, honestly, I laughed a lot in your book and and I found it to be pretty compelling and pretty emotional in different parts. But uh, you make me think of my own father and my husband and, and all of the like the support staff that you don't I mean, we love dearly, right, as horsewomen who horse show and are so involved in taking care of the horses. But um, you bring a really interesting, fresh perspective that I think I wish there were more horse dads out there (laughs) who would talk publicly about uh, their experience being involved with horses in this way. 
So that was a very long-winded in, uh, introduction to to my question is, you know, you're a horse dad. Is it everything you dreamed it would be? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. what were your first I impressions? Mean, so, so first of all, thank you for that, for the intro. I mean, that's, that's always nice to hear because it, you know, I think it's, it's certainly among the things that um, among the, the more positive feedback that I've gotten from people, right. Is, you know, or the kind that I like the most is to hear that, you know, it reminds them of, of someone like, of like their own dad or, or spouse or, or whatever. So, so I really do appreciate that. And yeah. And like to go to the question, like, is, is it everything I dreamed it would be? I mean, part of the, part of the answer is, you know, I had no dream um, for what this was going to be like. Um, I really didn't know. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. I wasn't a horse person. My wife wasn't a horse person, you know, so in a sense, it was it was all new. Our oldest daughter, uh, who, you know, is the one that led us into this world, really kind of got the bug when she was two years old. And at first, we sort of thought it was just going to be a, a passing kind of thing. And uh, that did not turn out to be the case. Uh, you know, so we started out reading a bunch of of books, because that was the that was the easily available thing. And, you know, sure. honestly, you know, to the extent we got an impression from those, it was kind of a misimpression because, you know, like <laughs> we're reading these books and thinking like, okay, well, they seem to emphasize that there are these plants that horses are, you know, allergic to or that are poisonous to horses. And so probably we're going to spend a lot of time coming through pastures looking for these plants. And I got to tell you, I haven't done that a single time yet. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, beyond that, you know, I did kind of grow up as a farm kid. Um, okay. So I'd at least spent time around large animals. Um, I was comfortable with that. The idea of mucking out stalls, um, you know, throwing bales of hay around, I was comfortable with that. But, you know, to the extent I had any sort of sense of the horse world, it was it was the Western disciplines and the English stuff was, was absolutely uh, a new world to us. Right. And then throw in the competitive aspect, like the show circuit and everything that goes with that. It's, um, it, it's a pretty serious commitment for any kid for it, I feel like it sucks the time of your whole family, right. In order to kind of fuel that dream. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for us, it was, it, and it probably happens this way for a lot of people, you know, it became this kind of gradual thing mm -hmm. where, you know, the first step was, Get, getting a lesson. I want to take lessons, right? There was, you know, th that that was there was this drumbeat from from Ada, the uh, the oldest daughter. Like, when can I take a lesson? When can I take a lesson? And so finally, when she's five, I called around to places, and this was all happening. You know, the internet wasn't yet what it has become, so you could find some phone numbers on there, but not a lot of information yet. So I'm just kind of calling places, and most of them, you know, were like, eh, it's just a little too young. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we ended up doing the first lesson at the, at the one person who said, yeah, absolutely bring her up, uh, and we'll get started. And, uh, so that was very much, you know, we didn't, we didn't start with an A show barn. We ended up there after this kind of progression, which, right. um, you know, like anything, right. You get a little bit in and then you get drawn further and further in as you go along. And all of a sudden you're, you're where you never imagined you, you might end up. <laughs> So what made you want to write a book about this experience? Uh, yeah, uh, I guess there's kind of two answers to that question. Um, one is, you know, I've just always sort of been a person who likes writing. Right? Okay. You know, like, I've just been kind of drawn to it. And, um, you know, a big part of my job, right? So I'm, I'm a law school professor uh, in, in my day job. And a big part of that involves working through problems in writing. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's just kind of, 
what I do. It's a, it's a natural way for me to think through things. And so as I spent more time in, in the horse world and found all these ways in which it was, I, I thought, super fascinating what I was seeing going on. Uh, I thought that, you know, all right, I might have, I might have something to say about this that people might find interesting. And, you know, as far as the time aspect of it, it really was one of these things that kind of unfolded over the course of, of a number of years. I started out, um, uh, doing a, a blog for the Chronicle of the Horse. And, you know, the book ended up incorporating some of that stuff, building on some of that stuff. And, you know, and then by the time my, I, I was in, actually in the, in the sort of thick of writing it, all my daughters were old enough to drive themselves to the barn. So I found myself having, you know, that many more hours in my day, uh, which helped uh, as well. There um, you go. And, yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, right. The, the gift to it all, this is, this is all going on during peak COVID and uh, uh, the, 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 the final push uh, with the manuscript was, uh, was while I was recovering from my own bout with COVID. So oh, yeah. geez. Yeah. <laughs> there I was quarantined in my basement um, editing. Um, well, but, if you, you know. ever needed the time, right. To get to the right. finish. Right. Line. Exactly. <laughs> it worked out well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, like I said, you know, I, I, um, I found your book so relatable just because of those personal experiences. And like I said, you made me think about the people in my life. My own introduction to horses was very similar to your daughter's. My parents had no idea what the heck they were getting into. And then all of a sudden, you know, lessons turned into a lease, then turned into buying a pony, then turned into horse shows twice a month, then turned into horse shows that lasted a week twice a month. And it's just a very serious commitment for for any family, right? And um, how did you and how do you manage that with yours? I mean, I, I think you do a nice job getting into some of that in the in the book. But um, do you have any advice for parents out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you know now we're empty nesters now, and uh, honestly, I, I kind of asked myself the question, same question: like, how did we actually? do all that. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you're right. It's, it's a huge time commitment. You know, there's no off season, right. The way there is with just about any other sport, you can't, mm -hmm. uh, you can't take a horse and just sort of store it in the garage when you're not using it. <laughs> um, you know, and of course then there's the money commitment as well. Cause you know, my, one of my impressions of the horse show world is, you know, the answer to the question, how much does it cost is, you know, some version of how much have you got, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I don't know, like, I think the answer is we just did it, right. We just did it because, you know, here was this thing that, that as it turns out, our daughters were passionate about, and we were in a position where we were able to support it. My job mm -hmm. is, is flexible enough that, you know, it wasn't a problem for me to, uh, to bring work along with me. And, you know, there are plenty of photos of me sitting in a chair in a tack room with, you know, a couple barn cats crawling all over me as I'm, <laughs> as I'm trying to prepare for tomorrow's class and, uh, and things of that nature. And, you know, we, we just did it. And, uh, I don't know that there's any great advice, you know, that I can give other than that. Right. It's, it, it's just kind of where humans are adaptable in that sort of way and you make it all work somehow. Uh, sure. And I imagine, you know, those Sundays when you're sunburned and tired, seeing your kids just feeling like so full, you know, after a really good weekend or, you know, a good week at the barn, I'm sure that makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it was just, it was a great way to spend a lot of quality time together. Right. And even if it didn't always seem like quality time in the moment, even if you're tired, even if you're sunburned, even <laughs> if you're hungry, whatever, right. It, it, it created a connection that, um, 
uh, that I think is is a little bit hard to replicate in in some other ways. One of the things I talk about in the book is just the uh, uh, the driving. Right, we spent a ton of time in cars, uh-huh. and um, you know, some of that time we would just listen to whatever happened to be on the radio. But sometimes, you know, you'd find yourself talking about things that we wouldn't have talked about if we hadn't been, you know, sitting right next to each other for the length of time that we were. And um, so that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, so what have horses taught you? I mean, I, I imagine, I know this, that they taught your daughters quite a bit, but being around horses in sort of this um, support role, right. Uh, And being part of a, a busy barn family being on the circuit. What, what have you learned? What, like, I guess life lessons, would you say horses yeah. have taught you? Um, I mean, I, th- I guess, I guess I could identify several things, you know, part of it, I think just, uh, you know, there's a greater appreciation for animals, right. That, that it's, it's nice to feel like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm communicating with another species here. Um, that, uh, you know, the first horse we owned, I don't think I'm exaggerating. And I wasn't even the first one to point this out that, you know, if, if he'd be in cross ties in the aisle and he'd see me coming, he'd take a step towards me yeah. uh, every single time. And you're like, all right, well, we, we get along, he and I. Uh, and so that was kind of cool. I, I think as well, and this is something I spent some time talking about in the book is I, I learned, I think a lot about teaching and and learning and of course part of my job is to to teach people to to become lawyers and you know it really struck me how there are all these parallels between uh learning how to ride and learning how to ride well and uh and learning how to be a lawyer and you know really probably pretty much whatever but you know like it it, it was really interesting to see as my daughters moved up how things that they used to have to focus on and really, really pay attention to eventually became second nature to them. And, you know, you'd really notice it when uh, you'd be in a situation where somebody who was not so far along was also riding in a lesson and, and just to see that, Oh, okay. They're being taught stuff that for my daughters now isn't, you know, no longer something they they need to, to be taught. They just know it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that happens with just about any skill. And it certainly happened, you know, as I look back on my own development within my profession, uh, it was certainly a thing that I experienced. So that's been fascinating. And and I, I think it affected me in, in how I do my job um, in a way that I absolutely would not have anticipated. And then, you know, the Barn family, the, the personal aspect of it, I think, was really neat because you know, we live in a world where it's very easy for all of us to sort of spend time with our, with our own little bubbles, right? We tend to live near people who are, are like us and hold the same sorts of views that we do. And uh, a barn will kind of bring people together across that. So I've met people who um, met and, you know, continue to be friends with people I otherwise would never have crossed paths with. And, and of course, there's really an intensity to those sorts of relationships that you really don't find in other sports, mostly because you're just spending so much time together, right? You're going to the barn just about every day and those same people are there just about every day. And so it, it really does become a barn family in a way that, you know, just isn't true to the same degree with, uh, with other sports. So, uh, that too was um, something I really, um, uh, you know, valued and to the, you know, now that we're doing it less, uh, I miss it. 
Oh, sure. So like, um, it makes me reminisce a little bit. I think back on all the time, you know, you spent like at interstate hotels and Cracker Barrels, you know, going yeah. to dinner with all these, uh, all families from the barn and all the people you met. And there's a lot of heartbreak in this sport, right? But as a, as a kid, I feel like it taught you a lot of life lessons at an early age. Um, and some of those can be harder than others that I, I'm not sure you would get that same kind of experience in another sport, even maybe, maybe some team sports, but I guess if you could do it all over again, would you steer your daughters toward another sport? Maybe I'm, <laughs> I asked that in a joking way. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I think the answer is that there really wasn't an option. Um, <laughs> you know, like when you find yourself at least, from my perspective, you find yourself with a kid who's that passionate about something mm-hmm. and you're able to make it happen. I just, I felt like we just had to do it. Right. And, and, you know, part of what was, uh, what I, what really kind of blew me away about it too, is I just have never been that passionate about anything. Right. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit more like a squirrel. I, you know, get distracted by things and I find, Oh, that's interesting over there. And I'll, I, I don't, I've never been as intensely into something um, to the same degree that my daughters were into riding. And, and I really just admired it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, to be able to to facilitate it, I thought, well, if, if, if I'd ever been like that as a kid, I would have, you know, hoped that, um, that it would have been possible for me to pursue the thing too. So, right. It just, it didn't seem like a choice. And, you know, and the answer is of course not, right. I, I absolutely wouldn't. Uh, there, there are things I'd do differently. Um, I'm sure everybody can say that sure. about their journey, but I would absolutely do it again because you know I think as you as you mentioned, right? You get, you know, you get life lessons from any sport, right? There's always going to be winning and losing. You have to learn how to deal with that, and you learn about hard work and so forth. But you're dealing in in equestrian sports, obviously, with another living creature, right? And it's a living creature that commun- can communicate with you some, but not to the same extent that, you know, a teammate normally can. Uh, and so you have to account for that. And you have to account for the fact that, you know, that that creature has to be cared for all the time, year round, uh, and somebody's got to do that. And then I think too, again, it goes to the the intensity of the relationships in barn families. You know, it it, it gets to be a team that and I, I don't know. I'm sure if you're a pro athlete, right, and you're spending all your time around your teammates, there, there's a there's a similar level of intensity. But I don't think in in traditional youth sports you ever really get that closeness to the same degree. And one of the really important things I think for my daughters was that a lot of their teammates were adults, and you know they then are learning not only how to deal with winning and losing and all of that stuff, but also um, having these models of how to do it as adults do it, who aren't, who are their peers, right? In a, in a realistic way that just isn't true. You know, when you're playing high school sports, the adults are the coaches, the adults are the parents, the adults are them, the adults are never really us. Uh, and in the horse world, they're us. So, you know, I think they learned that. And, uh, and, and I'm really appreciative of the fact that most of the time, you know, I felt like part of the us too, which people wouldn't have had to have welcomed me in quite the way that they did, but they did. Yeah. Okay. I like that answer. (laughs) So your book is, you know, heartwarming and lighthearted 
in a lot of ways, but there, there are parts of it that explore some of the more serious sides to the sport. And I wonder why did you feel like that was important to take on in your book? Yeah, I think part of the answer there is um, because those are real issues and sure. Um, and, and, and I'm comfortable uh, dealing with them. It's, you know, I, I teach law and I am critical of courts all the time. I'm critical of law all the time. We think about, I, I teach people that, hey, you know, we're the ones that have to deal with the nasty problems that happen in the world and, uh, and, and try to figure out how to solve them. So it really didn't seem to me like it was anything out of the ordinary. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm critical of judges in the legal system. Natural for me to be critical of the way judging takes place in the horse show world, which I think there's a lot of room to be critical about. Uh, a lot of the book, uh, or not a lot, but at least a chapter of the book um, really deals um you know, it, it, it deals with George Morris, who, you know, I, I saw give clinics several times and who I found fascinating in all sorts of ways. And, you know, he'd always been at least mildly controversial just because of his, you know, not exactly gentle teaching style. Uh, and then, you know, all the, the sexual harassment stuff came up and you know, I just didn't think I could write about him uh, without writing about that. So, you know, it, it just it felt natural. It felt important. Um, you know, there's a section in the book, I think this is maybe a little bit less towards what you're getting at, but a section where it's, it's a chapter devoted to advice for trainers. And, yeah. um, you know, that seemed to me too, uh, the sort of thing where it really isn't out there, at least not that I encountered. And, uh, I'd like to think it's, uh, you know, there are useful, useful things in there. So, um, you know, if the book isn't just for parents, I guess would be, uh, would be one takeaway there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, having read it, I, I I agree that there are takeaways for all kinds of readers. Interesting. Uh, so my last question for you, Chad, is a little bit of a, a lighter one, though. I, I wonder, you know, if do you have any funny stories to share? I mean, I, I even asked my husband before this interview, like, <laughs> what what sort of funny stories would he share if I interviewed him about just being, you know, a member of my support team as, as a woman who's obsessed with horses. And the first thing that comes to mind for him always is learning what sheath cleaning is. But uh, I wondered <laughs> if you had any good stories of, you know, just being out there with your daughters um, or learning about horses <laughs> that you'd like to share. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because when I think back on it, we, we did so much laughing. Mm -hmm. Um but, uh, you know, so much of it, too, is of the you had to be there variety, right? It's just you get you get enmeshed in this little world and you have all these inside jokes and, you know, and, and things are just kind of hilarious uh, in the moment that when you try to tell them to somebody else, they sort of give you that look. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. A funny thing is so I, I, I do still um, uh, a couple times a month uh, on Sundays, I go up to uh, – uh, to split rails tables, one of the barns where my daughters rode and I help out with chores, which, you know, at this point I mostly do just out of gratitude. And, uh, just this last Sunday I was doing that and, you know, <laughs> uh, was, was emptying a water pail and didn't quite clear the, uh, the holder, uh, well enough. And so dumped water down the front of my pants and, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know, is that hilarious? It was kind of funny at the time, but also uncomfortable. 
Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think it tends to be, tends to be that sort of funny. I will say one, one kind of funny thing that happened that, that's more related to the book is, so one of the people I talk about early on, a friend of mine who was, as it turns out, the, the very first of us, there's a, there's a, a bit in there about, uh, when my friends start having kids mm-hmm. and the first one to have a kid who's, who's not named, but he knows who he is. And, uh, he was. Uh, at this meeting in New York and, and, you know, we were lawyers in Minneapolis together and he's still there. Uh, he's at this meeting in New York where it's a bunch of, I, I think, finance people of some sort or other. And, and he says, and I'm, I'm standing there with these guys and they're all talking about this book, which as it turns out was, was my book that he's in. And so, uh, he thought that was, uh, that was kind of hilarious that, uh, that it got out there. And so, you know, it, it, it's been interesting to have it get out into all the places that it has. I got an email from, from some guy who saw it on the, you know, recent arrivals at the library and his his wife was making fun of him because he doesn't know anything about horses and isn't interested in horses. And why did he pick this book to bring home? And uh, so, you know, it's been interesting in that regard, but. Very cool. Chad, why don't you tell our listeners where can they find your book if they want to uh, look for it themselves? Well, so I think they can they can find it, you know, wherever, where at least they'll have to probably order it wherever books are sold. But uh, uh, Trafalgar Square's uh, website, which is uh, I believe it's horseandriderbooks.com uh, is one place to go get it. Um, certainly any of the online people. As it turns out, I'm pretty findable. I've got a unique enough name that a Google search will pretty easily turn me up. Uh, so you know, I've got I've got some copies myself. If anybody you know is looking for a Father's Day gift and they'd like one, you know, uh, inscribed, uh, I'd be happy to do that. Reach out to me, and uh, and we can arrange to make that happen. So that's certainly an option uh, as well. Sounds great. So this next topic I want to talk about is we all have had the ups and downs of bringing a horse back and rehabbing them. So I want to just talk to all of you guys. Like we want to tell everybody, like. The things that your friends don't tell you that the vets don't even tell you because everybody says, oh, you know, I had this one horse that I rehabbed and it went so smoothly. Well, that's amazing and like really good on you. But like we all also, know, it's a lie. That's a lie. It, it never happens to anybody. <laughs> but like it happens to the one person that like wants to believe it. But like people don't really tell you like, no, it's actually terrible. I hate rehabbing. I mean, I'm going through rehab on myself with my leg. Like, yeah. I've never put in more effort into rehabbing horses and myself that like, it's just frustrating in the end. Like, and then you like rehab and you're like, my leg's still sore. It doesn't like, cause I think in the end, when you're in the thick of it, you don't see, you see there's an end, but it feels like it's eternity to get there because sometimes it is. Well, and yeah. it's it's this like roller coaster of emotions that yeah. I I don't think no matter what people tell you, even if you know if they try to scare you or they try to be more measured, there's there's just nothing to prepare you for it, you know, yeah. because it's this like abrupt end to something. Like for me, it was the abrupt end of that partnership where I was just like, what do I do now? What do yeah. I do? And then and then there are glimmers of hope as your recovery goes on. And then stuff goes bad and you get, you know, you go backwards and then you spend all this money and you're like plotting out, like, how do I pay off these bills while still paying board and buying feed and buying hay and still doing all the things. And 
and then the 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 problem is there's never you never know what the answer is going to be until you're at the end of it right like it's just i feel like I feel like my vet is a very realistic guy and I've been very grateful for that, but he still can't like wave his magic wand and create a, like a final answer for me. Cause he doesn't yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's, that's the part that just sucks that there's just, all we can do is like rescan it and hope that the rehab keeps going the way that it's going. But even and why if, not? Right. And even if my horse gets through this period, there's no, guarantee that he can't enter that again or that it's going to yeah. limit yeah. something or you know what I mean we don't I just there's just so many unknowns and I think you that's the hardest part for me what about you Ellie because you're you've been in it a little bit longer than me mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> um <laughs> just loss of size I think with me like the biggest part that I that I struggle with like daily is just this like overall like feeling of guilt you're like what's it what's it what could I've done to prevent this what have yeah. I could have done like I mean there's so there's so much with that and there's also a lot of like guilt because you can't I mean it's with any animal right not just horses like you can't explain to them why their friends get to go outside and why they I don't know. why yeah like you know that is really I think have you found difficult. any tips um, on like how to keep them sane so I think it's just random tools and okay. random toys. <laughs> yeah, so, I feel like you got to know your horse too. You yeah. know, I mean, no, but I the let toys Batman have crib. been helpful. We've given a lot of like toys in the past. Oh yeah, I've done that. I have jolly balls. I have like three different types of lickets and like. Oh no, we have one like it's like this ring, and he actually passes it through to the other ones. Like even the ones that are just like busybodies. That has been like helpful. So like even if like he's in or whatever, he gets to, like play through the bars. That was a helpful one. That like we hung it on a string and they pass it back and forth basically. So it feels like he's getting some interaction with horses. Yeah, yeah Batman had bad. Batman had a dog toy. Like I bought him one of those like dog king. I don't know. It was it was a big rabbit thing, but it was supposed to be like stronger. And he would like literally squeak the squeaker and like throw it up and down. I mean, I'm grateful that he's not on stall rest anymore. He gets to go out in a small pasture, but he's still struggling. Cause like all he wants to do is go out with his friends, you know? So I try to like, I'll put, it's terrible. I don't recommend this, but I'll put Berkeley and Batman out in the same, like, you know, 36 by 36 together. Tiny little just, paddock. Yeah. Just for like 10 minutes to let them groom each other because they're kind of attached, like not even kind of, they're super attached to each other. And, like, that's what they used to do every single day, like, religiously when they got turned out. So I think, like, him being able to do that definitely helps keep him saner. But I know that's not, like, you know, even when he was on stall rest, I would make Matt hold Berkeley and I would let them groom each other as we're, like, standing there. But so I think that's helped him a lot just to keep him, like, you know, out of the fact that, you know, he's been stuck in a cage. But I think... The main thing is just like, oh, it's just a lot for you and it's a lot for the horses. And I never understood why people would send their horses to like rehab places until I had to do it like, yeah. this extensively. And I'm like, I mean, Christ, when Batman first started, I had to walk him for 30 minutes twice a day. Yeah, like, that's insane. Yep. Like, I mean, thank God I live 20 steps from my barn or else that would be impossible. Like I work a full time job. Like, how is that, you know, feasible? Right. Um, the time yeah. commitment is, is the like, time. well, the commitment for me, to schedule. 
Right. So mine, like, even before he got there, I just, like, I just felt so guilty thinking of him living in a, you know, 12 by 12 box, literally 24 hours a day if I, if I wasn't there. You know what I mean? So it. Yeah. I'm at the barn every day because of that, because I feel guilty just because the only time he gets out to like hand graze or have any sort of interaction aside from like having someone come in and clean his stall and feed him is if I'm there and God, it's terrible. The guilt is terrible. And I'm glad you brought that up, Ellie, because there's just it haunts you no matter what through this whole period, you know, because it's the guilt one that it happened. Did I cause this? How could I have prevented this? Then it's like the guilt of. I'm his only advocate. How do I, you know what I mean? Like, how do I, and I feel like I've failed them a thousand times during this process. Like how do, you know, am I making the right choices? And I've been very close to giving up at multiple times and just going, I'm going to just throw him out in a pasture and like, let him live his life because this is crazy. And then my vet always talks me in to keep going. So (laughs) like, and here we are a year, like literally this month is a year later and we're, you know, we're still not out of, we're still not done, but we are the closest to sound we've ever been. But it's it's crazy. And then and then it's it's expensive. So let's talk about the therapies, because like your Batman had a surgery. And then yeah. and then what like what other therapies were you considering, I guess, in his recovery or like how to help prolong or quicken healing? Well, so he got stem cell. That's therapy. right. So he got, I mean, and which, by the way, I don't know if it's just Cornell or what, but like that crap is expensive. He got oh, it, oh, no, it's yeah. three it's times, everywhere. three times, and it was like a thousand bucks a pop. Yep. Like, I mean, and I, and I understand they have to grow their magical little whatever the heck they do. It's it's I don't know. It's anarchy. I don't understand it. But I'm glad <laughs> it. I mean, it did for sure work. You know, but it, I mean, it's hard because. And then there are people who are like, oh, you should have tried this like homeopathic rub or something. And I'm just like, OK, that where did you work. get your veterinary degree? Facebook.com? Yeah, I'm right. Like, I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, like, yes, would I would I love and would my wallet love to like have this magical herb be able to yeah. fix my horse? Yes. But like realistically, like, I mean, I'm I'm paying someone who is one of the best ortho surgeons in the country to figure out what's like the best option for this horse. And I'm like, you people, like, I appreciate your opinions, but keep them to themselves because I'm, you know, I'm trying to do what's best for my horse. So like, that's the therapy he went to, but now he's got a recheck in June and they want to do acupuncture in the area um, to kind of like, I I don't know, stimulate something. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm hoping that that, you know, if that's something my local vet does acupuncture too. So if that's something that he needs continuously, great, you know, but she's, she said, you know, I'm looking at Adequan treatments one to two times a year for the rest of his life, which Adequan is what 300 bucks for seven yeah. doses. So yeah. that's 600 bucks a year if he gets it twice, you know, and it's like, will he need, you know, stifle injections most likely, but then, you know, you have to think about the, you know, talking about setbacks and stuff, right? This is a horse that literally has done nothing since he was two years old, but run and stop in the dirt. And he tore his meniscus. And that's exactly the thing he is not allowed to do is run hard and stop. And so like, I can't, I can't untrain, you know, 16 years that this horse has been doing the same thing. Yeah. 
So it's like terrifying for me every time I'm supposed to be increasing his pasture every other week. And I'm, I'll be honest, I've been neglecting on it. I'm like, eh, you can go out in a 36 by 36, not any yeah. bigger right now because I'm terrified. I'm like, all he has to do is do one thing and then move immediately back to the beginning. And like, I feel really terrible, like doing that because I'm like, you know, eventually I do want to get him back to, you know, full turnout with friends, but it's terrifying because no. I have no idea what's, you know, going to happen, but what therapies have you been doing with Mikey, Justine? So I also went the expensive route, and we've done so far two full sets of shockwave, which are one, you know, yeah. one shockwave is like several treatments over a couple of weeks. And I can also tell you that that really effing works and is worth the money in doing the protocol and following your advice that your vet tells you to. But now, you know, like I see posts on Facebook, like obviously ligament injuries are fairly common. And I just cringe when I see all of the bad advice that people on the Internet uh, like because there's right. There's no there's no responsibility. You could say whatever the F you want to say. And people give so many <laughs> so much bad advice. And <laughs> oh, it's terrible. And I like all of the things that people recommend that are just like dumb and don't work like so. Don't buy the supplements, no matter what you feed them. It is not going <laughs> to magically repair the hole in their leg. Um, no. Yep. <laughs> half half of these like light therapy systems that you can buy on Amazon yourself, like spoiler alert, there are plenty of studies you can go out and find, like actual medical scientific studies that show those don't even treat actual wounds, let alone Much will they penetrate. Holes let alone will they penetrate the hair and the skin of your horse to get to an internal structure and make a difference. And like, there are just so many things out there and there are lots of bodywork programs that people like that I think do help mm -hmm. horses in certain scenarios, but they're not going to speed up the recovery of a hole. No, it's just in time. the leg. Exactly. Distrust exactly. the vet and yeah, no, ice, ice cold hose in yeah. time. Ice cold hose. Ice cold time. hose. And like, yeah, I mean, all of what the vet's going to say, shockwave, PRP, yeah. you know, shock, uh, stem cell, all that is what we've always done. And it's a huge difference. And, then, and I'm not putting down like the cold laser and stuff, but if you can buy it, it's not meant to treat your horse. If the, if the vet has it and can provide the, treatment on like yes. because he is a vet then yes that has some backing and it is medical grade and that is why you as a consumer cannot buy it cannot buy it <laughs> you know yeah. so i like, mean there, i feel like are, that's just there's a, a reason thing yes yeah. exactly but i'm just saying there are like people are like oh i can buy this just don't waste your money it's it's a waste yeah. of money i swear i've I, bought them all i bought all those things i swear <laughs> i did I have like dumb. You bought them all will... off Amazon. I did. I bought them all. It's stupid. Don't do it. Let me like learn from my mistakes. Save your own money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough because it, you know, when, when you're so desperate to help them in any way you can, yeah. it's so easy, especially in those like, you know, pyramid scheme supplements that you're seeing on Facebook that like can magically cure laminitis in two what? weeks. I know. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Like, that's not no. how the horse's hoof grows. <laughs> like, and it, it, and it's, uh, it makes me pull my hair out. <laughs> yeah, but it also just makes me feel terrible because I'm like, these companies are like 
you know, making money off people being so desperate to help their animals. Oh, right. Like, exactly. So it, just, it really infuriates right. me because it's like, you know, yes, we're trying to do whatever we can for pe- for horses who can't tell us where it hurts, why it hurts, what it feels like. You know, we're, we're trying to become magicians when, you know, it, there's nothing we can really do other than time and listening to our veterinarians who went to school to do these things. Exactly. And if you have a panic moment, like I think what's helped me, because I, I panic a lot. I panic all the time. Ask my husband. Alcohol? Well, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, but That's like, why we're heels down happy hour. Alcohol yeah. is definitely the first thing we always do. It's a drink. <laughs> Go back <laughs> to the Oaks Lily. But what's made me actually feel better is I just... I've probably paid for more ultrasounds than I ever needed to see. Yeah. Like the, the vet could tell me like, it's going to look the same, but I physically needed to see it on the screen yeah. and have that, have like that undivided attention totally. time with my vet for like that 45 minute period. I just paid for more scans than I ever needed just because my yeah. vet's like, see you in two months. I'm like, Nope, you're coming back in five weeks and we're scanning it again. Because I need, I need to feel better. Like, I need to make my, sure. That was my therapy. And then over time, it's amazing what you will learn from this experience. And you will, you can trust your instincts. You get to know your horse in this different way. Like, I, I know just, like, from feeling that horse's damn leg so many times a day, every day for now, weeks, months a year at a time. Like I just know when it's not right. You know what I mean? Like you just, you come to know your horse so intimately in a way that you, you never thought was possible. And just knowing really like trusting your instincts on what is off. You know, I, I, I have sent so many videos of my horse being lame to the vet that every single educated horse person that I've paid thousands of dollars to over the years for their advice and their wisdom that they've said, your horse is sound and he has not been sound. Like I have learned so much from watching how my horse moves while unsound that I feel like I've, I've upped my game guys. Like I could, I would bet money on my ability to pick out a lame horse. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you will learn stuff and that's a really sad terrible silver lining that's not worth it but you will learn through the grief and like you're just in an upside down world until until the end of it there's that's pretty much what it is yeah and it's yeah it's tough and your horse is gonna get a lot of cookies and you're gonna drink a lot of drinks i actually spooked batman the other day because i was drinking in the barn and the can cracked (laughs) That's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I was like, don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll tell but. you. So, like, a week, it, it was the week I was supposed to send, like, get on Mikey because we're walking under tack. And I was supposed to send the vet a trot video to see what he looked like. And Mikey, I don't know what caused it. I was in the tack room. He was on the cross ties. He had my saddle on. I was grabbing the bridle. And I heard him scurry on the cross ties, and I didn't know what was going on. And he broke out of the cross ties and ran away and rolled in my dressage saddle. I can't remember. Did I tell you guys no. that story? You did no. tell me. And it's still just as bad. <laughs> like my world ended. Everything came crashing down in that moment as I'm, I'm he ran to the like backfield, like into a paddock and just immediately lay down and rolled. And I just was just like, 
he his leg is destroyed my saddle is destroyed like my life's over this is it this is the end and then he got up there and just stood and like waited for me to come get him (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) oh god it was a really bad day and then yeah uh, (laughs) so needless to say i delayed sending the trot video but but yeah so like shit like that's gonna happen oh well i just had one of those moments like literally last week so batman's up to 20 minutes of trotting and I am supposed to lope him like a little bit each way. And he's been doing that for probably three, four weeks now. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I don't know if he must have taken a bad step or something, but like I loped him. And then when I came back down to trot, he was like progressively getting lamer. And I was oh, like, okay, no. what the heck just happened? Like he was literally three legged. And I was like, okay, so I had Matt take a video and then I walked him for 10 minutes and see if it was any better. And then I was like, okay, I'm putting him away. You know, I'll, I'll take a video tomorrow and we'll see like, just if he looks any better. And he did look better the next day. And I did send the videos. I'm still waiting to hear back from the, from his surgeon, but I'm just like, I mean, like he's, he seems back to normal now, like back to where he was, but I'm just like, okay, if you can literally take a bad step in the flat arena it like terrifies me because I'm like, what's going to happen when you go outside and there's hills and rocks. And I know. I know. It's Ugh. just like, but it's hard when you see something like that. I literally was like, did I just like, you know, everything's did I, did I right. Put him in the bit and the bridle too much. And now I just ruined everything. Did I just send I him know. back? Like, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. You it's know, the worst I, sense of dread I've ever experienced. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <not gonna> lie. <laughs> I'm just like, God, like, if I could just cut my arm off and that would be, like, payment for the horse to be sound and this be over, I would do it. I would, like, I literally would do it. Yeah, literally rehabbing myself, I would I would go back to being paralyzed for a little bit if Batman could just be fine. I know. For, the, <laughs> like, the stress of this to be over, you know? Yeah. It's, so, I feel like we're doing a really bad job <laughs> of telling people it's going to be okay <laughs> if this happens to you. But Well, it just should be, like... <laughs> you should just know like it is going to be a struggle most of the time but there yeah. is an end in sight basically yeah and you I will mean, you will learn stuff it will it, yeah you'll come out a different person no matter what happens yeah i mean uh, and there there are setbacks i mean batman is over a year after surgery now you know and i mean he he is loping like he he is doing i know that. you're doing but so it, good ellie but it's just so like, you know, it's scary, but you have to just hold on to the fact that like, it's like, you know, I don't care if it takes three years. I told my vet, I was like, I don't care if you have to chop off his leg and you have to like make him a, you know, peg leg. I am like, <laughs> something will be okay for this horse to be able to not live in a stall. Like I'm, I refuse to do that. I know. Um, and so, you know, I think, like you said, you just have to advocate for your horse and you've got to listen to your vets and try to do as much as you can. I mean, believe me, there are some times where Batman does not get ridden the five days a week I'm supposed to be doing it because I also have to, like, keep my job so that way I can afford to take him to the vet again. <laughs> and so sometimes, like, real life gets in the way, you know, but it's just like you just have to hold fast to that, you know, that idea that it is going to get better it's just a very slow process and like, you know, don't beat yourself up and, you know, stuff also, happens. Drugs are your friend, like sedate the horse. I was yeah. so against that in the beginning. And then like, 
after he reached tour in December, I was like, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I do this from the beginning? Like, just sedate your horse. It's better for them. It's better for you. It's okay. It's okay to use drugs. Yes. Yeah. I'm very surprised that Batman has not needed drugs because he's the one I genuinely expected to need drugs, but he's just genuinely so happy to have Aww. a job. He's just yeah. like, yes, please. Like, as soon, he was so bad when I was hand walking him. As soon as yeah. I got to like walk him under saddle, he was like, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And he would like bridle himself up and he was just like, thank God, <laughs> you know, oh, mine's so. so much better under tack than he, it's the hand walking that he's wild and crazy. I have no control. Yeah. That's yeah. where I was like, drugs, drugs forever. Yeah. Drugs, drugs. Riserpine <laughs> is great. <laughs> it really works, I swear. <laughs> Don't buy the supplements, buy the drugs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Ellie, do you want to go? I can go. So <laughs> my Thorn is pretty closely related to what we were just talking about with rehab. Berkeley's been lame for a little bit and Ugh. yeah so he just got his eval and we're gonna try some different shoes it seems like he might have some some heel pain it doesn't look like it's anything super crazy like in the x-ray or anything which is great but I it's definitely a thorn because I want to have at least one horse <laughs> which I do I have two still <laughs> but it's just tough to like you know have both of them not feeling great but he seems better now. He's got these big, fancy aluminum, we call them as space boots, aluminum shoes with like a wedge to hopefully reveal the heel pain. But fingers crossed, it gets better with the shoes because if not, then the vet wants me to go get him an MRI, which I'm looking into actually the standing MRI that we talked about a few episodes back, because since he's a draft cross, especially, I don't, I don't want to put him under unless I have to. So, yeah, so that's my thorn. But hopefully it will be my rose next podcast and he'll magically be okay. <laughs> but my my rose is that I'm, like, slowly getting better, like, just overall with myself. So that's a huge part of it. You know, I, I'm feeling a little bit better now that I've been able to kind of chip away at some of my medical bills and stuff. So that's helping me to feel a lot better. So that would be my rose is that I, now that I'm working, I can slowly pay $10 a month towards my 72 grand of hospital bills. Oh, <laughs> Just kidding. My gosh. Um, no, I have good insurance. I only have like seven grand of hospital bills, but that's still a lot. Uh, that is still a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm just happy to be chipping away at that. Makes you feel a lot better. But what have you got? Oh, boy. Well, Berkeley, geez. Yeah, you're only allowed to have one lame one at a time. So Berkeley's got to get his crap together. <laughs> so I will say that my rehab horse is actually my rose today because Mikey is officially trotting sound. Oh, Yay! my God. I know. So we are we are now in the rehab process where we trot. And this week we're supposed to be trotting for 10 minutes. That is really hard to do. 10 minutes is a long time, I've got to say. So, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And I can only go in a straight line right now. So it's like trying to be strategic of planning my rides and like where I can give them a nice long stretch of straight to trot. And um, also he is wild and crazy. So like we generally get like four or five stretches of trot, which I say, you know, we might trot for like 30 seconds at a time. 
And then he's like, okay, I'm ready to be wild now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been interesting, but I, I'm happy to see him just like be excited, you know, like, Ooh, we're at, we've added something new to his life where his life has been quite dull for a long time. So Fingers crossed, knock on wood, everything continues going in a positive way, but it's so far so good. So yeah, that's my rose. Let's think. For my thorn. Oh boy, I'd have to think here. Hmm. That's good. That means it was I know. genuinely yeah. pretty good. <laughs> I shouldn't complain, right? Exactly. Um, so I think I told you, well, I told you guys, my thorn is... That I got in that car accident, right? Last episode, my poor broken truck is still sitting in my driveway, but I get to drop it off at the auto body next week. Thank goodness. And so I have a rental car that insurance is paying for and it's fine. It's a nice SUV. Like I'm getting around. But um, today I had like, it was time to go buy hay. And I was like, all right. Oh no. How am I going (laughs) to do this? (laughs) So I like, I got all these bed sheets. I like took old, like rattier bed sheets out of our closet, the back of our closet. And was like, I'll just like put all the seats down and drape everything in this car. Like it looks like a kill room or something and sheets <laughs> for the hay. Cause I'm going to have to clean up this rental car. And so I was at the barn after riding both horses, like setting up the car essentially to go to the, uh, go to buy hay. And a friend of mine was like, Chelsea, she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I have to go buy hay. And she's like, oh, no, you're not putting it in there. And I was like, I don't have a choice. I don't have the truck I right gotta now. I got to do it. And she was like, I'm going to take you to go buy hay. So, oh, so perfect. I know. Horse friends forever because they get it. So she took me to go buy hay in her truck. And I didn't have to destroy the rental car. So That's perfect. Yeah. That was a plus for sure. All right, just. Okay. Yes. So my rose is that I am actually like walking and my PT, I have been really, really happy. Like I've told you guys in the past that my PT has been amazing. And so I got another set of x-rays and my doctor said everything's good and that I can slowly like keep progressing back to like normal activities. So I'm back now riding and I can walk truck canner And I can do, I did two horses the other day, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, so I'm like slowly getting back and like we talked about, you know, (laughs) the whole rehab, the staying consistent in the schedule, like I've been trying to be so adamant that I do it every day. And so that is definitely my rose is that I have been consistent and it is getting so much better. So that is definitely my rose. Awesome. And then my thorn is one of our guys that worked for us or works for us had a bad fall. And so he's out. So I'm just thinking about his family and everything right now because oh, no. he's, yeah, he's had a fall and he's like hurt his back and stuff like that quite. And so he'll, he'll make it back, but, um, talk about the road recovery and everything else that, um, just thinking about him. And that's my thorn is that I just feel for his family and for his kids and stuff like that, because he was, you know, the primary breadwinner and stuff like that. So I've just, he's been on my mind a lot is cause he's been in and out of like the hospital trying to work out things. So that is definitely my thorn is that it's just been a long week of uh, poor Luis, who's been so instrumental and he's been so amazing as part of our program. We talk about all the village that it takes for all of us. So when, you know, one of us gets down, it just kind of hurts a little bit more is like, 
not that, you know, work-wise, it's just you feel for him and stuff, and hopefully that he can get back to going sooner. So, like, you know, he's just such a joy in the barn and everything else. So, right now, it's a little, like, gloomy right now without him. Uh, well, thinking about him, too, that's tough. He'll be okay, but it's just, like, you feel, you know, you feel for him, and he wants to be back and everything else, and he's, you know, just sitting there trying to recovery like the rest of us, where it just gets sad, and so you, you know, especially after going through it all, you, like, feel even more for people, because you're like, I know exactly what you feel like, even though it's so sad, so. I know. Just thinking about, you know, the next one and stuff, because he's, he's so sweet. Oh. Well, guys, we do have a mailbag from Sarah, who sent us an email. Which I thought this would be fun to talk about. I might be the only one who's done this, but we'll talk about it anyways. Because maybe you guys, maybe guys, you want to do these things. So Sarah says she sees a ton of ads for different riding holidays across the globe. What are our top picks for international riding holidays for experienced riders? And am I the only one who've done, who's done this? Well, no, I did. Okay. I will recommend Ireland. Yes, good. Because I did do that. They have a lot of really great, like, there's so many places where you can go ride cross country and, like, on, I, I have a soft spot, as you guys probably know, for the Connemaras. So, <laughs> I, and they even, I don't know, when I went to Ireland, it was for a study abroad for, for college, for the equine industry. But there was a guy who had this place called the Dartmouth Horse Museum, and he also had like this whole trip that he would do where you would literally stay. It was like a week long and you would actually ride the Connemara trail on the coast and you would oh, stay in like cool. these hotels along the way. Yeah. He actually, his name is Willie Leahy. He actually just passed away a few years ago, but I think they're still, they're still running yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I always told Matt, I was like, when we eventually get married, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I was like, that's, We'll try to do that on <laughs> like a honeymoon or something. <laughs> um, That's amazing. But yeah, I mean, Ireland is great, especially for, you know, you know, capable riders. But also they they have like I mean, he was telling me about people that would come do cross country that have never ridden a horse before in their lives. Like they yeah. have like, great like, um, you know, selection School of ponies, horses. Yeah. Oh, my God. My friend, amazing. My friend did. uh I think it's Portumna, Ireland. She did um, at the Flower Hill Equestrian Center. And yes, now she's I've been there too. Yeah. So she's an eventer, you know, and, but like she, you know, she events lower levels and like she was, she came back with this like amazing experience and just had like an amazing week there and like was, you know, out there storming around stuff like prelim and bigger. And that's not what she rides at home. And I thought that was very cool for her. And she recommends it like a thousand times over. So I also I think, rode in Colorado too. Like if you're, if you're more into like, you know, trail riding. Right. I, like I rode style. in like the, yeah, I rode in like the Rocky mountains. Like that was pretty cool too. But I, you've had a lot more adventures. Well, I've had Even friends some cold who, ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I've had friends who have done like some cool ones. Um, a friend of mine, Chase, who rides at the Dressage Barnamat, he also rides with Rick Wallace um, in Ocala. He did the he did like two weeks in Africa with Lucinda Green, and I was like, "Yes, oh, that oh, is wow. like what? We, like bucket list." We have list. a client that's done it like I don't know how many times. That's what I was gonna say. Cindy Strait has done it. I, I don't even think she like. I mean, at least three or four plus times with Lucinda, and they become such good friends that like. 
they have a ball. She says it's the most amazing thing is to go to Africa and do the safari, like horseback riding wise. She says it's amazing. I was like, that's super cool. Yeah, like they had the best time. They said it was amazing. So I I would highly recommend that one. But I know Bethany from My Equestrian Style, who has the podcast, like she did one in Morocco. And I'm like, oh, my God, that looked amazing. So I've done a few. I did Iceland. Obviously, that was a bucket list one for me. Iceland is gorgeous and beautiful. And I really wanted to ride the Tolt on an Icelandic gated horse. And it was so cool. And we rode out like on the lava fields um, outside Reykjavik. And it was just like, it was the coolest thing ever. I really recommend it. But you, uh, you'd be surprised that like, there are so many that you can tailor around horses. Um, And there are even some like cool boutique hotels, like in Virginia and places like that, where you can like stay at a nice five star resort and bring your horse. And I think you're starting to see that like, like Tryon is trying to build that element, you know, like obviously not just for horse showing, but to like be on vacation and yeah, there's all kinds of cool things you can do out there. So I think whatever you can dream up, like your dream vacation, you can find a horse crazy person who's decided to make a vacation out of that too. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not sure where you're located too, but Matt and I have been talking about like, even in the Adirondacks up here in the, you know, Northeast, they have like, you know, you can rent like a, a stall block basically and bring horses and just like, there's a crap ton of trails up there and you can just trail ride in the Adirondacks. Yeah. There's lots, of, there's lots of fun places to go. Yeah. Like I did Glacier National Park one time where I was like in Whitefish, Montana for a work conference. And I was like, when am I ever going to be in this close to Glacier National Park again? And so I rode, I did a trail ride experience through that. And that was amazing. So I don't know. There's so many, there's so many opportunities to do this. So um, I think this would be a great topic for our Facebook group though. Cause I bet everybody there has even more ideas than what we mentioned. So we'll start a thread in the Facebook group and maybe people can link to the, whatever, you know, travel they booked. Um, so you could, we can kind of share some of the different vendors that do this. Yeah. And we can all get different ideas for where to yeah. go next. Yeah. Exactly. So if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the air, you can always send us an email by sending a message to hello at heelsdownmedia.com or join our Facebook group that I was just talking about. It's the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. Search for that on Facebook. And if you want to hear more from us, you should definitely subscribe to the Heels Down Spark, our daily equestrian newsletter. You could do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. And we want to say thank you to our partners this week, Purina. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers.